Hi, this is Brent Leary, and I am talking to the Senior E-Commerce Analyst for Morningstar, R.J. Havity. R.J., thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Brent. So, what caught my attention with, uh, what actually brought you to my attention is the report that you put out recently around Amazon Prime and some of the estimates and some, some of the kind of forward-looking uh, trends that you see with it. Before we jump into that conversation, uh, can I ask you to give us a little bit of your personal background? Sure. Uh, I am a senior e-commerce analyst at Morningstar. Uh, I also am the, uh, the global director of consumer equity research, which means uh, I'm responsible for a team that covers uh, 300 equities across North America, Europe, and Asia. Um, you know, we cover about 200 of those names in North American base. About another 100 of those are um, you know, either Europe or Asian based. We also work closely with our teams in Sydney, Australia, and uh, Shenzhen, China, uh, as part of Morningstar's uh, global equity research coverage. Been uh, covering the e-commerce space for for over a decade. Um, uh, at this point, and uh, I think uh, it's been one of the more uh, interesting uh, categories the last several years, uh, and clearly uh, been one of the most disruptive forces to traditional retail uh, traditional retailers that we've seen since probably the advent of uh, warehouse clothes in the early 90s. Well, yeah, in 10 years, you've probably seen a great deal of training, a great, re- a great deal of disruption. Uh, one of the things that I definitely want to talk to you about is not just Amazon, but the impact that Amazon Prime has had not on just Amazon, but even let's, we'll go beyond Amazon into the retail, online retailing, and maybe just retailing in, in general. But what draws, kind of drew your attention to Amazon Prime to begin with? Sure. So what we've seen the last several years uh, for Amazon in particular is it's been one of the more debated stocks in the consumer universe. Uh, I think most people would recognize that it's had tremendous growth. Uh, it's had uh, revenue growth uh, with a cumulative, cumulative average growth rate uh, above, I uh, believe, 25% the last three years. So no one can deny that this is a you know tremendously fast-growing company. But the big question is we've seen operating margins contract from approximately 5% three years ago to essentially 1% this, uh, this last year uh, on, a, on a reported gap basis. And you know, the big question that a lot of investors have is, you know, obviously the growth is there. Can they monetize this growth? Is this something that, that has longer-term, uh, you know, monetization opportunities? Because um, clearly, if without that, then, then the, uh, the growth really becomes a, mute, a moot point. And so one of the things that attracted me is I started building a, uh, some, some framework and some, uh, some cornerstones, some building blocks of how this company could really monetize its growth. And a number of things that, that caught my eye, uh, and things like digital content through its Kindle ecosystem, uh, Amazon Web Services, cloud computing-based uh, services, uh, this idea of fulfillment by Amazon and third-party sales. One of the things that I thought was underappreciated by the market was the fact that uh, Amazon Prime, in, in its own right, was a pretty meaningful building block of uh, uh, profitability for this company and something that as it attracted more and more members, um, you know, not only increased the, you know, the top line, but also something that can make profitable. And so uh, it really prompted me to take a deeper dive in terms of the, the, the Amazon Prime component of that uh, was really what, what, what was the impetus of the analysis that, that we performed. And you came up with some estimates around, because it looks like Amazon is kind of close to the, the vest when it comes to uh, breaking out numbers for Amazon yep. Prime, but you estimate that at the end of 2012, there were roughly 10 million 
uh, Amazon Prime members. I'll be the first to admit I was, I'm one of them. I think I came aboard as soon as I saw the email that came out about five or six years ago. Uh, but you're also estimating that that number is going to uh, jump dramatically over the next couple of years. Uh, I, I thought I saw a number around, is it $25 million? Yeah, I think that's uh, approximately where we see things going uh, by 2017. We we think that by 2017 that there will be about approximately 25 million members. Uh, granted, there's a lot of uh, uh, different variables that play into that, but we feel that that's a, a pretty reasonable assumption of where this program can grow. Um, you know, what potentially may drive that? Um, I think that the idea of uh, you know having Kindle or uh, Amazon Prime trial memberships go along with uh, uh, with Kindle Fire purchases, I think that's going to help draw people to that. I think the idea of adding substantial content, both uh, video as well as uh, uh, book and, uh, and magazine content to, to uh, the Prime membership, I think that's going to go a long way. But I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I think really what's been the selling point of this program is just the, uh, the idea of having a, access to a live selection of products that you can get to your doorstep within a couple of days. Um, and really, uh, you know, just at low prices. I mean, I think that is a, uh, a combination that works in any environment, any economic environment. And so I think a combination of all those different things is really what's going to help it draw uh, more people to Amazon and entice them to become Amazon Prime members. And the other thing that's really, from an Amazon perspective, is the impact that this program seems to have on buying patterns and behaviors. Uh, your research, you point out, that the average Prime member spends about a little, well, over twice the amount of the average uh, Amazon shopper. And there's a number of different statistics you name that show the importance that Amazon Prime members mean to Amazon. Yeah, so uh, as you pointed out, what we found in our analysis, and we surveyed uh, approximately 300 uh, Amazon Prime members who made a purchase in the last 90 days. This was done in a partnership with a company called uh, Consumer Intelligence Research Partners. And what we found is that, yeah, generally speaking, at least in the last uh, last year, Amazon Prime members spent about twice as much as non-Prime members. Uh, so they spent about $1,200 uh, last year compared to $600 for a non-Prime member. What's also interesting is what we took a look at using other data is that, you know, the average person who bought something online last year uh, yeah, spent about $1,000. So what it says to us is not only that Prime members are, um, you know, generating more incremental revenue per uh, the, the non-Prime members, but they're doing most of their shopping on Amazon as opposed to going to other sites. So that's, that's interesting because that shows that Amazon's got a powerful network effect that um, you know, it becomes a destination for consumers that, that they have to be on that site, that, that they uh, you know, have less reason to go to other sites. And I think that's powerful that, you know, that, that's showing that Amazon is protecting its customer base through this prime membership program. Um, and, and really that's kind of an interesting thing because uh, at Morningstar, we like to look at, uh, you know, whether or not a company's going to have a long-term sustainable competitive advantage. And if they're locking in the customers through this prime membership program, that's a pretty powerful detail in our minds. Yeah, and you actually even say that uh, Prime member Prime member is about eight times as valuable to Amazon as a non-Prime member. That that's incredible numbers. Considering what out of uh, there's about as you said about 10 million uh, Prime members out of what about 180, 190 million overall. Yeah, and that's, that's those, right. those 10 or seem to, those 10 million seem to be really driving a significant amount of revenue uh, to Amazon. Yeah, that is correct, uh, and they are driving a, a significant portion of the overall revenue uh, that, that Amazon takes in. But I think the interesting thing, too, is that, uh, tying in this whole idea, 
you know, can Amazon be profitable? What we found in doing the analysis, we, we broke down every line item that, you know, that Amazon has, and, you know, we pointed out that, you know, the average prime customer price and, you know, this uh, is about $600, or actually close to $700 in incremental revenue uh, when you include the $79 membership fee that the, comp- that, that the average consumer pays uh, to be a prime member. And what we found is that, you know, if you look at all the different line items, that Amazon actually generates about, uh, you know, $80 in incremental profit um, on that revenue that they uh, that they take in from a prime member, which is you close know, to operating margins of about eight percent or eight or nine percent at this uh, at this given point. Now that compares to you know, what you're seeing right now, Amazon's overall operating margin of one percent. You know, and what what's going on behind the scenes? What the difference is there? Amazon's investing a lot in you know, new technology, whether it be you know, Kindle, uh, uh, expanding Kindle suite of products. You know, we've heard things like you know, desk, uh, TV top, uh, you know, set. Uh, smartphone, a lot of technology investments, a lot of investments in fulfillment centers, uh, and a lot of investment in uh, in digital TV uh, content as well as uh, digital book content. Uh, but what we found just on the surface, if you, if you isolate them and then take a look at the incremental revenue and the incremental cost of a prime member, uh, it is quite profitable. And as that grows over time, that gives us greater conviction that Amazon can, in fact, monetize their growth. And one of the kind of things that kind of stood out to me is an article that you were featured in in terms of an interview on Wired, and the title was called Why Amazon Prime Could Soon Cost You Next to Nothing. How could that be a case where can Amazon actually drop down the cost of a membership to next to nothing and still make it profitable or drive uh, enough revenue and enough profits to do that? Yeah, I think over time, I mean, I think that's something you can potentially see, at least. I, I think they have the flexibility to make adjustments to the Amazon Prime pricing structure, I think certainly looking at potential different tiers, uh, having you know a, a lower price membership for for somebody who wants a little bit less functionality, or even just you know possibly just access to the uh, Prime Instant Video. Um, yeah, I think that's an alternative. I think that there's potentially you know opportunities to go upscale with that too. But I think just the fact that you know we've been able to to get more confidence that that Amazon Prime is actually profitable on a standalone basis is, is, is interesting. Um, and I think that that really, uh, really speaks to the, the, the uh, you know, power of the overall value proposition it's bringing. Um, and I think that is one particular interesting level too, the, the different pricing that you could potentially see on Amazon Prime, especially in this day and age, too, when, we're, when Amazon is potentially dealing with uh, having to enforce sales tax collection, which has been one of the uh, things that, that has been an advantage for them in the, uh, the past couple of years where, you know, just because they didn't have a physical presence in a given state, they wouldn't have to collect sales tax, which seems to be uh, something that will be going away, uh, if not, you know, soon, probably within the next couple of years. And so I think just having this, this, this ability to price at different levels of Amazon Prime gives them a, a very, uh, a lot of options to work with um, and gives me a lot of uh, confidence that, you know, that some of these discussions about uh, online sales tax collection are probably overblown. I've been saying for at least a couple of years, ever since you've been able to uh, get Internet access in the air, and they ran a program, I think it was last year, uh, where uh, you could, you know, they worked with uh, some of the, the air carriers and gave you free access to the Internet um, by thanks to Amazon. I would be willing to pay a premium on my Amazon Prime membership if they made that available 
all the time because that's just a valuable service that could easily, I think, could easily be rolled in if they make their uh, the uh, partnerships with the the folks in the internet uh, Wi-Fi uh, in the sky kind of thing. Uh, but yeah. that's been a great conversation with R.J. Havity. Hey, R.J. One last question, and that's around how is this impacting the rest of the online retail industry or even even retail in general? How are they going to be able to combat Amazon Prime in the way that they seem to be collecting members and keeping these members over an extended period of time with Prime? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for a number of uh, traditional retailers, particularly those in commoditized categories, uh, such as consumer electronics, office supplies, uh, toys. Um, you know, those are the kind of companies that I think are going to have a very difficult time competing with Amazon over a longer breath. And, and what we found in our own studies is that, you know, no matter what level of service these retailers offer, whether it be, uh, you know, IT services, uh, technical support services, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to compete with the likes of Amazon just because by not having the physical storefronts, uh, Amazon can maintain a pretty significant price leader. So even with online sales tax collection, even if that's put in place, Amazon can still undercut these companies, and consumers will flock to the lowest price. And, they, and this is the whole idea of showrooming, where you know, consumers will potentially go out to Best Buy, you know, play with the item, get to understand it a little bit better, and then go make a purchase elsewhere. Um, I think the only way that uh, retailers can compete with Amazon um, is essentially to, to match prices, to, to keep people from making that ultimate purchase on Amazon. But even at the same time, by doing so, uh, just because they, they don't have the uh, – they, ha- they maintain the physical storefronts, uh, it's going to become up to expensive margins and make a lot of these retailers uh, a lot less profitable. And in some cases, it probably put a lot of business, companies out of business. Um, I think 10 years from now, a lot of the companies that you know, we're talking about today being victims of showrooming and competing directly with, uh, with Amazon may not be around. All right, and where can people learn more about the, the uh, research you've done on this subject? You know, for uh, for people interested in, in learning more about the research we've done, uh, you, they can go to Morningstar.com. Uh, we uh, are a full-service, independent uh, investment uh, recommendation company. Um, that's probably the best place most directly to, to, to look at it. They can also reach out to consumer intelligence research partners who helped us out with the uh, survey data work. Uh, I, I would say those would be the best two places to, to start if they were more interested in learning about some of the analysis that we've done and, and as well as our take on Amazon and some of the other uh, you know, players in the e-commerce space. Yeah, 